millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At bluenile.com, you can design a -a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. You don't own me. No one can tell you how to travel as you are. Orbitz wants to help you discover where you want to go, who you want to go with, and what you want to do when you get there. Visit orbits.com slash pride to book your next trip. Orbits. Travel as you are. So just let me be myself to say and do whatever I Hello, my name is Dave Henry and there will be no encore. Welcome to episode 29 of the No Encore Music Podcast, spectacular extravaganza of music podcasts. Today, unfortunately, we were supposed to be joined by our regular co-host, Craig Fitzpatrick, but we figured that with our special guest for today, that would just be too much leak slip for one room. So instead, Craig ain't here, Kev Lefty Letford of Red Enemy fame is in the studio. I don't know why he invited me back. <laughs> why? Are we going to give him the... Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's been a while. Um in the words of Aaron Lewis from Stained, two weeks in a row I've made that joke. And yeah, we had you in before with Connor, you gay crafter studio, but this time you're here for a full on co hosting session. And with no Craig, can you handle it? Let's see if we can handle the heat. Can you do you have any kind of message for Craig who's let you down yet again? Sick notes. Sick notes. <laughs> Craig is not welcome. Craig does have a message for you though. I, 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 this always gets me. Go he on. said, What up, Dillinger Escape Ham? Oh, that's oh, a pro. That's great. That's good. I'm into that. Yeah. Yep. Thanks, Craig. That's appropriate, uh, given that on this episode we will in fact be discussing the new record, Disassociation from the Dillinger Escape Plan. But uh, in the words of Bane from The Dark Knight Rises, that comes later. Cullum, how are you? Good, man. How are you? Cullum O'Regan. Hello. As I live and breathe. I went to another gig this week. This is incredible. We, we've really raised our gig in game because <laughs> yeah. it was literally about 20 episodes in a row where we were like <laughs> off the live circuit and now we're back in. I think I just got guilty after a while. The um, shame. Tell us all about it. Uh, it's Kieran Lavery in the Sugar Club, which is a really nice venue for a gig like that where, you know, it's kind of quiet and intimate and really at times, you know, they're kind of gathering around to use one mic and you're like, why'd you bother? Like, just as long as nobody decides that's the moment to go to the bar and order a pint, you'll hear it. 
Um, and yeah, he was fantastic. I think you, you made the comment a little while ago that, you know, uh, he's actually a good singer-songwriter. Oh, come on now. Like, 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 just throw me under the bus here. <laughs> but it, it's kind of true, though. I mean, the, the one man in the guitar thing, you know, is done an awful lot in Ireland especially uh, with varying levels of success, quite frankly. And I think especially for anyone of our vintage who kind of, you know, grew up through that first wave of other voices there's almost an allergy to that by now you kind of you look at all of those guys and you're just like oh that was a bit all a bit too much um yeah you meet that kind of end of the spectrum with a certain level of cynicism i know red enemy started as a trad group and an acoustic kind of back room of the bar thing didn't they yeah a bit small bit like that you know it's you changed t- you can't give up the celtic roots <laughs> it's changed significantly <laughs> Uh, yeah, I'll be fair, you, you, were, you were quite tired of that gig, I believe, because we went out for one the night before. Yeah, I went out, had a few beers on Tuesday. Um, it's been a long week in work. You know, all the usual moaning. That's not what people are listening to this for, Dave. They're not, uh, but it's good that we're back on the gigging circuit. And as a matter of fact, uh, as I sit here, I have a wristband for the Hard Working Class Heroes Festival around my arm. So I may go and check some stuff out there. But more importantly, there's a bigger gig coming up this weekend. So in the next episode of the podcast, by the time this one airs, I will have gone to see Canadian rock legends Nickelback. I am so jealous. <laughs> if there's a spare ticket, please give me one. I'm sure there's plenty. I uh, know, but I'm not paying to go see them. Neither am I. Uh, so, but yeah, I, I don't know. I, I'm kind of anticipating it. I'm going in with a low roar. I really hope that they play that terrible song that they brought out last year. She keeps me up. That's their best tune. It's a terrible song. Do you know it? Yeah, of course. Do you know it? No, but I think calling anything Nickelback's best tune, you know, it, it, it's a world's tallest midget scenario, really, isn't Fair it? Fair enough. Uh, well, it sounds like this. I could have done without that, to be honest. If that was called Coca-Cola Roller Coaster, she keeps me up. She keeps me up. <laughs> but yeah, that will happen. And you know, it's interesting because obviously, like some bands, kind of you know, stay where they're welcome. Some bands come back after many, many years away. One band that has excited me, and I couldn't quite believe this when I saw it during the week, that are back. Uh, the eighties, in fact, they're back. Twenty-four years after their split, Matt and Luke Goss, better known, call them as Bros. As Bros. Are making their comeback, and again, if you don't know what bras sound like, you will right now. You see, you said you were surprised when it you heard the news. It holds up, doesn't it? You said you were surprised when you heard the news that they were reforming. I was surprised when I heard your excitement about this. <laughs> That's a banger. No? I'm, I'm, it's grand, like, yeah. yeah. It is a banger. And the 80s is a banger for me anyway, so it's just that, that whole nostalgia thing. Like, my favourite band, I think, ever could be Hollow Notes. Just anything by them is Perfect. just untouchable, so... Anything that's even close to it, yeah. Did I ever Sign tell you that I interviewed one of them? I hate you so much. Uh, Oates, I believe. And I <laughs> So the one who doesn't, the guitarist. <laughs> I forget, I rang him up and I've never had someone answer the phone in a nicer way. Rang you... him up, you know, it was like first thing in his, like it was about five o'clock our time in mm. 12 o'clock his time. 
and phone rings, phone rings, phone rings, and then you just hear this lilted, lilting golden voice oh, go, good morning. And that's when I knew everything was going to be okay. Are you sure that wasn't the secretary? No, it was him. And he was such a, such a nice guy. He was so lovely. Are you know? going to be trying to interview one of the Goss brothers? Yeah, in the next and I hope, I hope it'll be Luke Goss, actually, because Luke Goss has been carving out an interesting career for himself in the last 24 years or so. Uh, you'll mostly find him in really bad action movies now, like Death Race 2 and Death Race 3, Inferno, which, of course, also has Danny Trejo in it. I also love the fact... Like, did someone see Death Race 2 and say... You know, God, need, I need another one. Need yeah. one of those. I think it's a prequel. I, I, it's very complicated re, uh, refranchising because Jason Statham plays the original character in the remake, and then they were like, well, "We can't get Jason Statham for the directed DVD sequel. Who can we get who looks a bit like him?" Uh, we get the prettier version, Luke Goss, who's also bald and ripped. Uh, Sean Bean's in there as well. Not what? a good. Not a, oh yeah, Sean Bean. Sean Bean will do anything for money. Uh, Ving Rhames pops up, and as a matter of fact, you can see Ving Rhames being interviewed about these movies that he's in, and the complete disdain. The guy was like, so what do you bring to your character? I mean, the previous films, and he's like, well, I haven't seen them. Uh, like, it's cash grab. You know, like, we know what we're on. So Luke Goss, that's kind of his level. What I will say about his acting chops, though, is um, best known, perhaps, for popping up in Blade 2 mm-hmm. as the villain, Jared Nomak, and also in Hellboy 2, The Golden Army. Oh. Yeah, he's Prince Nuada. Amazing. And that, because Guillermo del Toro, the director of both those films, like, really likes the guy, and I think he's excellent in both those roles. Like, he's very capable. Um, and he's not going to win an Oscar or anything, but he's got presence. But yeah, it's time to go back to the Broswell. And it would seem that uh, popular chat show host Lorraine was deceived by the other Goss brother who said, no, that's not happening. And uh, normally she's such a cutting edge interviewer that it's hard to believe that anything would get past her. Really, she's Woodward it? and Bernstein rolled into one, basically. Right? Yeah. And yeah, so, you know, Matt denied the reunion and said that, look, Bross is always surrounded by rumors. I think if it was going to happen, it would come out of my mouth and my brother's mouth. Uh, it's something very dear to me and him. We're perfectionists. Our last show was at over 70,000 people at Wembley Stadium. And we love the fact that that was our last show. Unless we could do it, if we knew in our hearts it was going to be respectable, it won't happen. You see, this is the thing. I mean, like, when you've got a final act like that, what exactly are they hoping for on this occasion? Well, you know what? I'll answer that question with the name of their very first single, Cullum. I owe you nothing. They Ooh. owe you nothing, buddy. You're just a hack journalist who wants to see this band fail. You know what? I would be quite happy for them to succeed. I, I really do have no horse in this race. I do, however, feel as though they're going to be quite disappointed if they think that Wembley Stadium Mark II is on its way in a few years' time. Well, Matt has five solo albums to fall back on if they need a few <laughs> breathing points. But yeah, I, I can't see this going very far. Uh, maybe slightly above your right venue kind of circuit. If they came here, would you go? Would you go? Would you go no. on a cold night, a cold Tuesday night in Dundee? Like, <laughs> I, mean, I feel like that's the only real way to see them. You know, like, fast forward two or three years, you know that's what it's going to be. Like, the being... Uh, got bros full of a bingo like to get the, the warm up act of bingo it's bros without the gloss yeah, in so 2017 possibly coming to a super pub or a super club near you super in the pub. next year <laughs> uh, one person who's not going to be playing uh, super churches anytime soon Mr. Vince Staples oh, who, has, like... who has managed to uh, offend greatly Mm. Horrifically offend uh, so, yeah. a, a Christian mother who was driving her kids to school and managed to hear this on the radio. Bitch, you thirsty, please grab Sprite. My crib's lurking, don't die tonight. I just wanna dance with you, baby. Just don't move too fast, I'm too crazy. Man, down, down the avenue, get shaded. Take a nigga mind off that. We can dip, fuck in the whip, slide right back in the function. One wrong word, start busting. Put that. 
that on my Yankee hat I'm a gangster crib, fuck gangster rap Where the ladies at, where the hoes, where the bitches Every real nigga know the difference Bandana brown like a yeah, that's North North, taken from the outstanding Summertime 06. Not mm. by Summertime 06, as she seems to indicate. <laughs> um, yeah, so she basically uh, put a rant out. I'm thinking it was Facebook Live. She makes some comment at the start of the video waiting for other people to come on. It's a 14 or 13 minute odd video. A, yeah, I watched it today. It's on for quite a while. And then some genius has put the remix on it as well. I saw so that, yeah. I mean, incredible. I kind of feel sorry for this woman. Listen... This is the thing, and I mean, Vince Staples himself has come out and said, look, you know, no people, nobody should be attacked for their opinion of what their children should be listening to. Mm-hmm. Um, that, you know, that's within their rights. Uh, he said that she does seem to be emotionally unstable um, and that she's c- clearly confused on the context of the song. That's fair enough. The thing is that this has been happening for years. I mean, parents' councils giving out about like Eminem tunes back in but the late nineties. Slip not being banned by the yeah, parents. But this is the whole thing where it's in Dublin. White privileged people who have perfect lives and they have nothing exciting in their life and they just want to be offended for no reason. They, it's like, oh, I'll just be offended. There you go. That's something to bright up my my day. Yeah, I mean, to be fair, that that suggests there's a level of cynicism here, where where which I think is to uh to to really just play down the ignorance side of things. Um, where like you say, yeah, I mean, it it is white privilege. It is you know she, her saying you know, oh yeah, so we'll encourage kids to run from police because that's a good idea, <laughs> as though she's managed to miss the fact that police relationships with the black community has become a little bit of a talking point in the United States. Small bit. You may have heard about it. Uh, yeah, Vince Staples continues to be an interesting figure, and especially when some, even when something like this comes at him. I mean, like, you could very easily paint Finn Staples into this corner, but I think he's much too intelligent for that to happen. And even his response is very articulate. I mean, like, the first thing he said in his string of tweets there that Colm referred to is that he kind of, uh, like... Called out a BuzzFeed journalist who misquoted him, sure, uh, which yeah happens quite a bit, and you know, and he's very even though he kind of has a bit of a backhanded dig there at this lady, he is very much saying like you know come on calm the fuck down, you know it's one person's opinion. Uh, I think she's wrong. I think she's ignorant, and that's fine. He like he doesn't want people to go after her and you know make her life live in hell. Um, it's just one of those things. Like it's it's funny. Her ignorance is funny, but it's also kind of scary when you're like, oh my god, Like this is still happening. But it's the fact that it's being caught on the video where she's clearly getting very emotional and stuff. I mean, like I say, if you think about you know, some of the movements that were there sort of 15 years ago, 20 years ago, in a way, like, they're more mental. If people are sitting down to write a handwritten letter to like the parents' <laughs> council or their local TD or whatever your fucking equivalent is, that's way more mad. It's than making a Facebook video. It just happens that this gets disseminated now in a very different way. writing, so that's what the equivalent like it is. Let's get out and get all their friends on Facebook because she's the new techie mom. And again, <laughs> it's that kind of immediacy thing where it's like, I mean, I remember like talking about the uh, James Joyce's infamous uh, filthy letters to Nora Barnacle. Mm-hmm. Uh, worth a Google, listeners, <laughs> by the way, if you want to be shocked and appalled. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, you know, like they're so, like, they're just vile and incredibly uh, erotically charged and you're just like so he wrote this put it in like a nice letter got the candle work you know the parchment seal went down the post office and at no point was he like maybe I shouldn't send this letter like you know fair enough if you're on Facebook live just spitballing all I'm saying is if James Joyce was around now and Vince Staples was uh, playing near, near him 
would this be the same story? <laughs> it's very possible. <laughs> but no. Uh, well, yeah, Vince Apple's a good guy. I hope to see him in a super church someday. Or a super pub. Or in the right... Have venue. you have you ever seen a super church? Like, you laugh no, at I, that. What is it? I, I thought you just made this up. Oh, they no, are insane. Yeah, so super churches would basically be, you know, your sort of televangelist type characters. They're great, yeah. Like, on the, like the Bible channel and stuff? Yeah, and so basically they would build their own church. It's as much a sort of a stadium or a, a kind of a performance theatre style thing as it is a church. And yeah, you know, it has bands, it has events, basically, um, all in the name of profit, yeah. needless to say. But yeah, Tax-free. What profit? Tax, Tax-free. Hey. There you go. Hey. Those things are real, though. Yeah, it's freaky. Well, the, I remember talking to uh, Raglan's, uh, that Dublin band, mm-hmm. uh, a Hot Press Live thing a while ago, and I wrapped up the interview by saying, I was like, oh, and you guys are about to go on a European tour with The Fray. And I was like, that's a big name band, and that, that'd be good, you know? And they were like, yeah, you're really excited. And I was like, yeah, did you know that their church is actually a mobile, uh, or their tour bus is a mobile church? And they were like, huh, what? And I was like, the Raglans, everybody! <laughs> I'd say the bants on that tour, uh, lad. I have to catch up with them about that. <laughs> Raglans, if you're listening, let me know. Give what us a happened? shout, boys. What happened? Um, taking to... Uh, the internet with a slightly more serious message this week was uh, Kid Cudi, who has said that his um, music-making career is currently on hold. He's checked himself into rehab for depression and suicidal urges. Um, he opens by saying that he feels ashamed, which yeah, is... Yeah, I was really, really sad to read that. Yeah, that's a really dark thing to, to, to he see. He says it and, twice. He says it at the start, and it, like, you know, he says, I feel ashamed, ashamed to be a leader and a hero to so many while admitting I've been living a lie. And he closes it off again by saying, like, love and light to everyone who has loved for me, and I'm sorry if I ever let anyone down. I really am sorry. I'll be back stronger, better, reborn. I feel like shit. I feel so ashamed. I'm sorry. I love you. And it's like... One thing that was nice about this, though, was, you know, and especially in what can be a terrible uh, public platform of Facebook comments, like, the amount of people who were like, please don't feel ashamed. Sure. You know, like, please don't, like, I'm so proud of you, this is such a powerful, brave thing to do. Um, You know, like, some people have speculated that, like, like this, they're surprised that this announcement didn't happen before, because he's that kind of character who seems to bounce from one kind of extreme to another. We thought we were getting his new record, and he seemed quite brash about it and obviously a bit standoffish to certain kind of people within uh, his peers and his contemporaries and now this comes out and you read it and like yeah like i, I just I, I i that word ashamed bounced out of me and i was just like oh man come on yeah. you, you know like you know like you don't need to feel that way and yeah. it's great i mean like it's, i mean it's great but it's great that he's able to say it and that he's taking this like he's doing the right thing here well, i think like when you're a rapper there's so much on your plate as well this the whole macho thing the whole you can't show weakness and then for th- Someone like that, like normally you'd hear probably worse stories, like the the end product of depression, which would be awful. But it's amazing to see like him actually going to rehab about this and talking publicly about it. So the one thing that I would say, and you know, I'd be lying if I said that I was kept awake at night with guilt or whatever. But it does make you think about you know how much we kind of do go through these guys' lives with a fine-toothed comb sometime. I mean, it's only a week or two since we were talking about, you know, his beef with Kanye and the two of them tweeting at each other. And like you say, yeah, there is a huge amount of pressure. That also shows itself in the statement where he kind of says, you know, don't worry, the album's on its way. I won't be around to promote it. But I wanted to get that out of the way before I sorted this out. And you're kind of like... I mean, if that's a purely artistic decision, then, you know, great, and hopefully he's happy with having made that choice. But if that's a business decision or kind of, you know, trying to keep up with the Joneses as such, it's just like, shit. 
music but, industry yeah, shouldn't work but that even, way. Even that statement does say, like, you know, um, he references the good folks at his label, and he says, my videos, my album release date, you know, my manager. So it's kind of like, these are boxes to tick uh, that are in his everyday life that we don't have in ours. And yeah, of course, I mean, like, you know, you look at celebrities, you look at Twitter, you look at news stories with uh, blown-up headlines, and, you know, you, you tend to kind of put the the aura of the person before the person. And, you know, like, in our daily lives, if we have a bad couple of days, we can just fucking slink away and, you know, re- regroup and recharge. And no one's really going to be at you for much else apart from hopefully just, you know, hey, man, want to hang out. But, of course, if you are, as Kev says, you know, especially in this world where not only do you have masters to serve, you have a lot of people who are like, hey, man, you know, like you got to be this big, hard, tough guy. Uh, I think it's kind of, it's a good shift. Um, on the life of Pablo, Kanye has a line about Lexapro. And, you know, that's something of a kind of a like you know a frank admission from him and you know obviously the frank ocean album is incredibly vulnerable as well so the more that we get this in in, in these genres and like and even like in the metal genre uh is the better i see and, and obviously you know hopefully he comes out of this uh, stronger and hopefully he owns this because it looks like he's hopefully on the right path indeed um to leave matters like that and something slightly a little more light-hearted craig's absence obviously means that our regular segment of Craig on Kanye is taking a week off. <laughs> it can be replaced by another regular segment for chapter 407 of Jared Leto is a Dickhead, yeah. presented by Dave Hanrat. Hi, how's it going? I'm here with Jared Leto News. And yes, uh, n- not confirming anything that we didn't already know, but because you know the infamous uh, story about his suicide squad gallivanting in which he would send crazy gifts. He's a messer. He's a crazy, he's playing the Joker, the Japester. Uh, and he sent like, you know, like was a live rat to Margot Robbie and other kinds of crap. Uh, use condoms, anal beads. You, What won't you do, Jared? But uh, Big Skrillex was also subject to Jared's chaos, his living chaos. Uh, appropriately, he sends Skrillex a big dildo, so I guess, you know, so Jared can go fuck himself. And they worked together on a terrible song, Purple Lamborghini, with Rick Ross. And essentially Skrillex was like, yeah, you know, they want to do a music video uh, using me and footage from the film, much like that 21 Pilots song, Heathens. And he said, no, no, I, I don't want to do one of those. So I called Jared personally, he's a friend of mine, and I really had to persuade him to join. Uh, for him, giving me that character of the Joker is not an easy thing. He really went out of his way to be part of the video, and getting Rick Ross in there, the timing was so last minute. Everything came together at the last minute. The director, the treatment, everything. And boy, does it show. That video is a mess. And like everyone was like, look how cool he is. He's on a speedboat, man. He's just standing there being, being weird. <laughs> I'm pretty happy I haven't heard or seen the track. It's terrible. That soundtrack is no good. Um, and neither is the movie. But there's an extended cut coming out, which might vindicate Jared Leto. He's, really? He said all of his good stuff was left on the cutting room floor. And that's like the end. The extended version of Batman vs. Superman, which I did. Three hours. Through. Did you watch that? Oh, Jesus Christ. It was the worst. Had you seen the, the non-extended version no. first? <laughs> I was like, what kind of masochism is this? <laughs> what was your favourite bit in the movie? Was it when Batman rips the kitchen sink off a wall and smashes it over Superman's head? I just don't know. No comment. Is when Batman stands over Superman with a big spear and slices his face up like he's a serial killer. And you're like, what film am I watching? Who is this? Spoiler alert. Sorry, he also uh, breaks a guy's neck and drives the Batmobile uh, through a man's face. Through a man's face? He drives the Batmobile, right, from like a, a, a height into a truck. And the wheel like rips a guy's face open like oh. that bit in Death Proof. Because it's a Batman film, kids. Yeah. Go see Batman. Either way, uh, Jared Leto definitely overstepped the mark uh, with Skrillex when uh, he sent him the biggest dildo he had ever seen. Yeah. Plus, plus a bunch of weird shit in a box. 
Yeah, unnamed weird shit in the box. I don't even know, want to know what's in the box if he's willing to specify the giant dildo. There's probably a lot of DVDs that are from that film where he played uh, the guy who killed John Lennon. Oh. Chapter 27 with Lindsay Lohan. Remember that yeah. one? Big Oscar bait. <laughs> Put on some weight for that role. Yeah. See, that guy, was, that, that guy was denied parole again, by the way. Yes, I saw that. Um, which is a good thing. Yeah, it's probably protecting him, to be perfectly honest. Oh, yeah, yeah like he'd be, you know, fucking Jack Ruby, wouldn't he? No. Nice reference there, no, for everyone. Nice JFK no. reference. <laughs> well, Kev's like, nope. No. I wouldn't mind him. Oh, yeah, you think he should be freed, do you? Huh? It's just, it's just one guy, just because it's John Lennon. Yeah. Oh, he's the man who's fucked down everything, <laughs> ruined so many dreams. He ruined so many dreams, yeah, no, like, I, I'm pretty sure he'll rot in prison. But, um, okay, let, let's not go too far here. <laughs> you were trying to make this life. Yeah, exactly. So so, so let's move on to a, to a song that, you know, <laughs> it's one of our songs of the week. And, I mean, you talk about lighthearted. How could anybody be offended by Robbie Williams oh and party God. like a Russian? Yes, so that is the new one and the comeback single from uh, former Take That Fat Dancer Robbie Williams. (laughs) It's called Party Like a Russian and it's managed to cause quite a stir out east. Where? Yeah, yeah, well, basically, from my reading of this... Before we get to the actual song, let's talk about the international incident that it has provoked. Yeah, so basically, and the way that I read this is that it has upset everybody except the actual people he's talking about in this video. Because there's a a wonderful quote uh, from somebody who said, um, Today's elites are pleased with the description. Uh, that was uh, politician Maria Baranova. Um, otherwise, everybody has said that it is massively insulting uh, to Russian people. Or people with ears. Yeah, well, like, I mean, the thing is, right, I fucking love that Prokofiev song that, 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 that it's sampling. Yeah, because that's, you know... Classical music. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But it's like, I heard it and I was like, what? what is he doing? Oh, it's... <laughs> This is the decision of a madman. Reggae swagger talking about Russians. <laughs> I ain't no refuting or disputing. I'm a modern Rasputin. Like, this came out a week after talks broke down between the US and Russia over Syria. <laughs> whoever, Are you blaming Robbie Williams for this? No, whoever gave this the go-ahead will probably be killed by the KGB <laughs> uranium style <laughs> like that dude in London oh I really hope his album is called uranium style <laughs> I somehow don't see that coming um, to be perfectly honest the, the reaction has rather overshadowed and, and, and indeed sort of been far more powerful than the performance of the song itself which I think has limped into the you top 40 in the UK. Don't say. Yeah. Robert Williams uh, chart dash in 2016, not yielding fruit, no? This is the thing, though. I mean, do you think that a song like this has been done in a cynical way to get coverage? I'm frankly offended by the accusation. Um, <laughs> yeah. yeah, of course. But also, like, Robbie Williams is an interesting character in as much as, like, for a time, you know, he was decent. And, like, like he was good in that take that comeback. Like, you know, I remember I saw them live in Croke Park and I didn't need 
a 45 minute Robbie Williams solo concert in the middle of it. Oh, but, Jesus. you know, that record, Progress, I mean, they come back with Patience in like 2006, was one of the best comeback songs of all time. And that was when it was the four of them. Robbie fucking weaseled his way back in and they went kind of a bit electro with a really good record. And then he kind of fucked off again. That was fine. It was kind of a good, like, little last chapter, I guess. And uh, take that narrow, what, there's three of them now? Like, I mean, like, like, like dwindling force for sure. Um, Robbie, though, on the other hand, I mean, like, was it Rudebox he did before this? Like, I, I can't tell you what he's done in the last 10 years. Couldn't tell you what no. the last thing was. It's but been a little it does seem way. to be, it does seem to be like, you know, if he's back in the news, it's because he's done something wacky. Mm-hmm. And, you know, musically as a force... Like if, buying if, the late Michael Winner's house. Can we please not talk about that anymore? <laughs> I'm still reeling from this. Don't worry, you can donate after Nebworth's 2017. That big, the big gig. Christ, <laughs> people still banging on about that Nebworth gig. <laughs> like, okay, like, you know, like, like you know, I think uh, like, like anybody our age probably like went through a bit of a robbery in this phase. Like, Rock DJ was a bit of crack. Uh, no Regrets is a great song. Yeah, between the years of like maybe what was it, 10 to 13... There's a few bangers there. Like that's in the greatest. Yeah. That was the greatest hits era, and then everything before and after was. Yeah, he did like a swing album. No, oh. I mean like 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 he's 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 dirt. At least he's made a decent hand of a solo career post boy band, because we've had the first salvo of Niall Horan's efforts oh, at same, God. and uh, yeah, the next Robbie Williams he may not be. This is his first solo single. It's called This Town. And I want to tell you everything The words I never got to see the first time around And I remember everything From when we were the children playing in this fairground So I'm there with you now As if the whole world was watching I'd still dance with you Drive highways and byways to be there with you over and over right, so, I mean, you know, it, it's the long-awaited song that none of us were waiting for. Um, Niall Horan's first solo effort. Fair to say that we have not been blown away. Kev, you can start this. Uh, I forgot my notes, but I <laughs> do remember a bullet point saying Niall Horan needs to jump in a nest of fire ants because <laughs> this is just god-awful. I had to watch the video and... He does that, you know, the squinchy singer-songwriter face. Yeah, yeah. Far too much. Look how earnest I am, everyone. Yeah. I really mean it. Also, on that video, it's recorded in, like, Capitol Studios Hollywood. And it's like, it has a thing where it says on the video, in brackets, live, one mic, one take. And it's like, a professional musician does job? No, I think that's as opposed to the single version, which you get on Spotify and stuff. But it sounds exactly the same. It sounds treated. It sounds produced. It sounds studioized. It doesn't sound like it's a raw take or anything. There's no... I can can tell no discernible difference myself. And, yeah, I mean, like, to be fair, like, it really puts Zane in in context, doesn't it? Because, I mean, like, we we reviewed that record back, um, like, I think our second episode of the podcast, and we were very disappointed by it because we've been promised this big pop gem of a thing. But overall, I mean, like, you know, it's not a bad record. I'm not... a few belters but I'm much more interested in that direction than just like no. here I am here's another white guy with a fucking acoustic guitar and a black and white video who heard the plain white tease hey there Delilah yeah I mean here's the thing like I mean A I'm not going to overstate how good that Zane record is like I mean it's positively meh but at least he came out with Pillow Talk as his first single. And you yeah. were like, okay, this could be interesting. Yeah. Uh, yeah, this is the antithesis of this. You listen to this and you go, I'm not expecting anything interesting now or in the future. The thing is, as far as I understand it, Niall was always 
out of One Direction seen as being, you know, like the kind of genuine musician one. As he in, plays like, guitar. Precisely. He played guitar at gigs. And I know this is like that kind of ridiculous characterization, but it's a fucking boy band. That's what happened. To be fair, I will say this. So ages ago, Kev, actually, you were part of this roundtable that we did. It was myself and a few other musicians. And I believe it was Stevie Darrow from Overhead the Albatross, who is a guitar teacher. And he was kind of saying, that's great. He was like, it's excellent that Niall does that on that level of platform because it means more young boys and more young girls picking up the guitar. Mm-hmm. And that, no, that is cool. But I would hope that those young boys and young girls will get to a stage of their life and like, you know, the same age that he is and be writing more interesting songs than this. Yes, when it's like a, a three-chord what meh. Yeah. Three chord meh. I understand being safe. I understand protecting an act that has a, a past like this and is a marketable commodity. But I mean, come on. Try something different. Yeah, look, I mean, it is the first single. I was just kind of going through in my head as we sat here trying to think of the last band. And especially when I said, you know, he was the real musician one, uh, you know, and that sort of characterization thing. If you remember, like, the Spice Girls mm-hmm. when they split up and it was kind of like, you know, I think Ginger, our Scary Spice's first single was with Missy Elliott, I think. And it was a proper sort of like in your face sort of hip hop effort. There was also Mel C with Going Down. Yeah. And, you know, I think like, you know, Baby Spice did some sort of, you know, very Baby Spice collaboration. Shit. Yeah. With like, Tintin, Tintin Out. Tintin out I think. Yeah. 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 Basically, it, it like look at our all, Spice Girls knowledge. It all very much <laughs> followed a certain. It followed a certain path, Off especially the at the start. You know, I mean, he has Jerry been. Halliwell's however, look at me, of course. He know. has, however, been working with just very, very standard songwriters. I recognised a few of the names that you know were kind of thrown around with this song. And Is with there the in there? Was he? No, he wasn't. But <laughs> sa- sa- safe Sharon. Is it is it Greg Kirsten is his name? It's Greg Kirsten. As a matter of fact, actually, uh, Louise Britton, a friend of the podcast, wrote a really good piece for the Irish Times, uh, which is up there at the moment. And I read that today. It's yeah. really, really, really good. She's basically making the point, and it's, it's an accurate one, that why have all the lads gotten really fucking boring? Like, behind the scenes, they're doing some interesting stuff, but, like, obviously, you're Max Martins, you're Ryan Tedders, but, you know, the girls seem to be... Uh, doing a lot better in the world of pop, which I think is definitely true. I mean, even Justin Timberlake, sexy black version of him is gone. Probably yeah. possibly never coming back. Uh, just to wrap up on our Spice Girls theme, uh, Victoria Beckham's lead single, who was that with? Oh, don't ask me. Uh, and what song did it go up against in a chart war? God. And I believe it was 2000. Oh, hang on now. The chart war was against was it Michael Jackson no it wasn't it was I'm not going to say it was just yet but it was it was a dance song with a female vocalist and it was really good Cascada no it was a good one like it was, it was back in the day it was like a good kind of like groovy no you're going to have to tell me uh, it was uh, Groovejet Spiller uh, okay. with uh, Sophie Alice Bexter right but the track that went up against it was Victoria Beckham featuring actually I think she might have been the featured artist with Dane Barris Dane Barris oh my god which she, sounds she... like this <laughs> Yeah, now, now, now I think we can all agree that Dane Barris showed how you follow a boy band <laughs> career with your own solo work. Yes, and then by going to a crap MTV series called Totally Boy Band. Uh. Now, whether these guys are classed as boy band or not, mm, uh, well, man band at this stage, uh, busted or back, do they have anything to show for themselves? This is what you're on.
Dave has informed me that it's called On What You're On. I'm sorry. I don't know if it changes everything, I really. messed up the notes. Um, yeah, th- that's the big comeback sim- single from uh, from Charlie, Matt, and James. Kevin and I both have a soft spot for Charlie in particular. I love everything. Is it the eyebrows? Huh? Is it the eyebrows? It begins with F and ends with I'd star. Yeah, man. <laughs> we're we're star boys. Let's, uh, we, we just fist bumped. Uh, anything he does with that band is incredible and... I don't know what happened. <laughs> he's brought out two solo records as well, and I figure he's ran out of money and, you know, needs to kind of get some cash back. And that's fair enough. I respect an artist yeah. who, you know, goes goes their own way, busted her back. Not a band I ever had any great grow for. Um, this song is interesting because it sounds nothing like the previous output, and it sounds like they've been listening to a lot of Maroon 5 and Random Access Memories by Daft Punk. Yeah, Maroon 5, I definitely pick up on here. Uh, the one thing that stands out to me, though, is that lyrically... Have they progressed at all? It doesn't feel like anyone's really trying here. I think it's gone backwards a bit, because what's that line about Xanax? Oh, God. <laughs> we talked about, you know, being brave and about your mental health issues, and here's Busted Show us how it's done. <laughs> I me- mean, it's it's fine, it's pleasant. But it like- just sounds like a pub band covering Jamiroquai to me. Oh, God, that's good. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that that is a very good take on it, I must say. Jesus Christ, it does now, yeah, now that you say it. I mean, I, at one point in the video, like, uh, the keyboard player's there, and fuck it, like, the road owned him. I don't know how. <laughs> like, he wasn't doing it. Uh, and can I mention the Father Ted's saxophone solo? That is, <laughs> that's the part where, the that's the part where, yeah, that's the part where you're like, okay, this is fine, this is pleasant, it ain't gonna win any kind of Song of the Year award, but it's certainly not any, and then it's I know I'll make the song top ten. That, Go for it, Mick. It's a real cynical moment in the studio where you can see someone like pressing the, the saxophone button. Mm-hmm. You're like, oh, come on, no. Like, you don't need it. You're already doing like weird vocody shit and you're doing this kind of groove funk thing and now you have a fucking obnoxious saxophone. Or else it was a case of they recorded it and then it came back and it's like, but there wasn't a sax solo when we finished it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's it's grand. Like, like it's, it's forgettable. It's, it's, not, it's not offensive. Yeah, it's eminently forgettable. It's uh, also I, great to see Busted fans being like, what the fuck is this? Yeah. I mean, like, I come back to the question that we asked at the top of the show with Bross of, like, what exactly are they trying to achieve here? Do you think it's just money grab? 100%. Oh, yeah. 100%. Yeah. Like, this is a cash grab. What, what was that? Mac Busted? Where both of them? McClough. Oh, no, yeah, that in. was fucking yeah, ridiculous. Busted McClough, yeah. No, of course it is. Come on. Do you think this is an artistic statement? Uh, artistic statement is a stretch. We had unfinished business. Yeah, yeah, business being the operative word. Yeah. <laughs> like <laughs> empty wallets and money to fill. Oh, I guarantee you, like Charlie Simpson has thrown all of his money since he left Busted into you know his solo work and reviving Fightstar. Yeah. I believe he got married recently. Probably bought a house. You know, <laughs> I'm sure the other two guys were like more than happy to be like, oh yeah, yeah. Hey, what are you doing? Uh, what's his name? No, if this guy who's married, to, if you're Matt, this, this guy who's married to Emma Willis. Yeah, he's done, he's done some he's TV. Matt Willis, he's like, done some yeah, TV yeah. work, so he's fine. Yeah, and then there's the and other he's guy. married to Emma Willis. So James, like James is it the fellow who's like doing you're, okay? You're doing great. As for James, yeah. he looks about 45 years of age now. <laughs> what happened? The what? ravages of age, man. He had a he he, he had a stab at like a post busted busted style band. I believe they're called Son of Dork. Oh Did yes, like, yeah. and the song was called. It's coming. Is it Roder? No. Ticket out of Loserville or something like oh, that. Yeah, it was. Yeah, and it was like really, really bad. Like, I quite like. I need to point out, by the way, for everybody <laughs> listening to this, right? We don't have laptops here. Nope. We, we have notes that have been printed yep. out about two hours yep. ago. We have none of the information that we've been throwing about oh, this table. I've for a wasted while. my life. <laughs> like, let's be honest. It's, 
Skulls and all those channels, like the 10 channels yeah. between Skulls and Kerrang. That's where you find all your knowledge. MTV2, all that kind of stuff those days, yeah. They, they reserved me well. I was very single for a long time. <laughs> <laughs> Before we get too down uh, on both uh, the songs of the week and our lives, uh, we didn't really have time to uh, review the album, so in lieu of that, uh, Solange has a new single. It's called Cranes in the Sky. It sounds like this. Well, it's like cranes in the sky. Sometimes I don't want to feel those metal Yeah, it's like cranes in the sky. Sometimes I don't want to feel those metal So it's a pity that Craig isn't here in studio because he would actually probably go to bat for Solange being the more talented Noel sister. It certainly would have until the release of Lemonade. Terrific year for both of them all the same, must be said. Absolutely. And I think that on this track, she's probably never sounded more like your sister. Is that fair to say? Mm. My note was like, it's almost like Beyonce gave her this track and then was in the studio while she, like her falsetto and her tremolo on the vocals is the exact same. It is very similar. And uh, like it's when you hear that, you're just like, I can just hear Beyonce in this track doing it better. <laughs> Even yeah. like the harmonies and stuff like that, it's all the same style. I think the song is good. I think people have blown it out of proportion. I was expecting something a lot better. I admittedly read some bluster before I got to the actual audio. I haven't heard the album yet. I've just been fucking swamped with other things. And so I will. But And I like Solange a lot. I think Losing You is one of the best songs of the last 10 years. And this is fine. This is grand. Like, it's nice. It's, it's very, very the lush production. You know, oh, like, yeah. she sounds great on it. It doesn't really go anywhere, and that's okay. I mean, I don't need every song to have an A to B arc. But it didn't get under my skin the way that I kind of hoped that it would. I've given the album just one spin, and uh, yeah, I quite like it. I mean, I wasn't immediately struck by by it or by any songs on it, but it's solid. It's good. And like you say, it, it, it does seem as though, uh, both on the track and the record as a whole, the production has taken the, the kind of front seat rather than her or any vision that she would have had, any lyrical content or certainly vocal contributions, which are, yeah, a bit too familiar, I think it's very. It's almost like the same producer, pretty much. And it's like, yeah, where's my notes from that album? I'll just bring them out here again. And yeah, <laughs> like scribble out Beyonce's name. Well, it is getting raves, uh, as is the record. The record actually was uh, reviewed better on Pitchfork by a point two decimal score. So will that be a contentious thing in the Beyonce Solange Christmas reunion? Is that, is that, is that, is that what they call? I don't know. Family reunion. Family reunion. There, there we go. Christmas with the family. Christmas with the family. But yeah, I don't know. I mean, like we'll see what happens. And I must get to it. There's lots of stuff I have to listen to. For example, the Headstuff Podcast Network, of course, has many, many podcasts. It officially has a new podcast called Reviewables, which I kind of called out on a previous episode. And uh, I, instead of backtracking and apologizing, I'm going to double down. <laughs> yeah. Review stick to your guns. I'm stick to my guns. Review us. Review, I don't know, re- review uh, the, the record that we're going to talk about in a moment. But yeah, as always, Heads Up Podcast Network has an awful lot of podcasts available for you to digest. Uh, we, you know, I think you know what the best one is. You're listening to it right now. And as a matter of fact, if you're a fan of the show, rate and review us on iTunes. That kind of stuff is important. It keeps us in the conversation. Give us a five-star review if you're feeling generous. And uh, yeah, we'd be really, really happy about that. 
But will we be really, really happy when it comes to this re- this week's record? Uh, it is officially released on Friday. comes out on the 14th of October. It is the final album. The Farewell from one of my favourite bands. And mine. And not Columns. Not so much. It's the Dillinger Escape Plan. The record is called Association. And it sounds like this. Okay, so that was Limmer and Death, the lead single off this record, and Benjamin Wyman from the band had described it as one of his all-time favourite Dillinger songs, because he felt that it encapsulated everything about the band, and still sounded quite punk, and it was a great statement to begin their, what is now, and what has officially become their final statement. Uh, I managed to catch up with him, uh, I spoke to him for about 25 minutes, uh, that interview should be up on Drowned and Sound in the coming days. And I recommend checking it out if you're a fan of the band, even if you're not, because he's a very good guy, very candid individual, and had a lot to say. And as I say, I mean, like you know, I asked him when did you when did you know that you were done? And he said that he finally took a, he took he took a vacation, which he never really had before in the last twenty years. Uh, the band have basically been going since ninety seven. He's been the constant that's always been there. They've had a lot of past members come and go. And he said that he like you know, it sounds like your classic Hollywood story. He flaked out on a Mexican beach for two days and just kind of thought. I think I'm done. I think this is over. I think this is the last chapter. And as a last chapter, he's very, very happy with what his band have come up with. So am I. But in the interest of fairness, I'm going to throw across to Cullum O'Regan, who has previously expressed some regret <laughs> and some disdain and some hesitancy. But you're a professional. Mm-hmm. So let's let's do it. Yeah. As I said to Dave earlier this week... Um, Obviously, when I'm reviewing an album, you know, give it a proper go. And there was nothing quite like waking up in the morning and heading out the door to work and being like, you know, oh, I'd really rather be in bed. But, you know, have to go to work. Might as well put on the album we're reviewing and then sit through this. Um, Not for me. I mean, we'll put it very delicately in that sense. I mean, I must admit that when it comes to Dillinger, I mean, you mentioned kind of sounding punky. I guess for any sort of counterculture, you've got to know what they're going against. And I'd hold my hands up and say that that is not something that I have any great knowledge of. I don't know. They're kind of like early stages. I don't know enough about the metal scene from which they came because I do understand that, you know, they're very much uh, uh, pioneers of sorts in what they do. However, it does sound to me to be chaos for chaos's sake and i must say that i expected that going in i was given a little bit of hope by a song uh, a clip of which we played last week symptom of terminal illness which i guess is probably one of the more calm tracks on the album is calm a good word uh relaxed yeah (laughs) you know certainly i think melodic um you know not as busy um, and there's one or two other moments. Uh, is it Surrogate has quite a bit of that? Um, Lowfields Boulevard, I think, towards the end of it. But for me, they almost served to illustrate, you know, okay, like, this is maybe what it could have been, but we just decided to go fucking mental instead. 
yeah, for obviously from someone who hasn't heard of Dillinger, I can totally expect that. For me, anyway, I only got this album yesterday, and I've listened to it five times, and I'm in love with it. <laughs> this album is the perfect, yet heartbreaking final nail in the coffin, and I couldn't be happier with it. Um, for me, they like there's so much on this album that I didn't expect. They, there's so much melody that I thought that never on a Dillinger album it's like the musicianship is next level but it's a lot more mature um it's almost a safe Dillinger album I think um <laughs> well compared to Cullen is yeah. uh, <laughs> sorry yeah, yeah I leaned away from the mic there as I just laughed <laughs> died died of that safe but no yeah but it's it's uh like to end on this this note is perfect for me um their swan song and it's Disassociation when I heard it for the first time it was goosebumps for me. Um just Greg's vocals on his own and it was like, Wow, what a song to leave it on. Yeah, that's the closing track and it's it's very melodic. I mean it's if you're not terribly familiar with Dillinger stuff, yes, for the most part they are they have a smash mouth style which was established on the first record Calculating Infinity and Mike Patton came into the band uh for an EP, uh, Irony is a Dead Scene, and kind of brought that mix of screaming and vocal melody. They hooked up with a guy called Greg Pucciato, who became their lead vocalist uh, across the last four or five records. And there are some Dillinger songs out there, like there's Unretrofied off Miss Machine, which some people, you know, the people who love the hardcore metal will be like, oh, that's gay, or like that kind of shit, you know? People are like, oh, he's singing, so we can't. like Milk Lizard, Black Bubblegum. Milk Lizard is just stunning. Yeah. I mean, Black Bubblegum is amazing. You know, you have like, they have, they have this ability to flip between those styles, and Greg's voice is just, I mean, it's an incredible incredible thing and you mentioned dissociation there the title track and the closing track on here he has such an elastic band quality to it like he snaps off himself in such an incredible way and i do love the the melody i mean i love both i mean like you know i uh, it's kind of like why i like Corey taylor so much in slipknot like i love the the mix of singing and screaming and i think you have to be good with both of them yeah and i think greg pucciato is one of the greatest in the game oh uh, it's like I well, I read a, a, an interview or something I think about a month ago where he struggled with writer's block for this album, mm. so I wasn't expecting much because everyone like that's a huge huge uh, shoes to fill like and especially when you got writer's block like you've got the last album you're ever gonna release, and so I was going into this even though like every time I've heard I was so happy with like when I heard that the first rift on Limerick Death like I was like yes yes yes. <laughs> But, uh, there's, no. even, there's even a string section yeah Cullum. there's a bit where it sounds like Warren Ellis shows up on Nothing to Forget the penultimate track and it's fucking beautiful yeah I mean you see here's the thing like I say there are moments and especially you know as far as melody is concerned where y- I guess you get a glimmer um, you mentioned the musicianship and okay yeah I know enough from, from playing myself that yeah you can you know you have to have a lot of respect from some of the stuff they're doing at the same time, I don't know, it, it felt for me as though there was a bit of a fucking kitchen sink approach going on at times, mm. where it was just like, you know, maybe you don't need to have, you oh, know, uh, especially like drums, guitar and bass all going fucking yeah. <laughs> 100%, pedal that, to the metal at the same time. That's their sound, like that's that's it, like, and that that chaos has bred so, has influenced so many other bands, like, um, like, the the mark that they've left on like the sort of underground scene metal scene maybe even a bit of math rock and stuff like that like it's there's not going to be a band I don't think like this like because because music is so disposable nowadays we're not really going to see a band like this I don't think ever again the other thing that struck me and again 
you know, I, I imagine it's something that you guys connected with a lot, but particularly towards the end of the album, it, it does sound like not just the closing of an album, but mm-hmm. I guess it sounds yeah. like something that, and I'll put it this way, I could imagine that for some people, they were going to connect with it far more than I did. Sure. Yeah. Yeah, and I mean, like, it does, I mean, like, the kind of, like, the last kind of thing that Greg says is find a new way to die alone, and, like, it just, it, it fades out beautifully, and I want it to be the full stop now. Like, I've made my peace with it. Yeah. I love this band. I've seen them live twice, two of the best shows I've ever seen, and I, they are very, very special to me, but ultimately, like, the last record before this one, One of Us is the Killer, is a good record, but it was kind of treading water a little mm. bit. This is better, and I think it's a great way to say goodbye, yeah. and... I, I think there's something in that. I mean, like, you know, when I when I spoke to Ben from the band, he was kind of saying that, like, you know, like, he said, I think this needs to end. This is the last chapter. It's a book that needs to be closed. He said, in a, in a way, I think that's a really respectable and cool thing because, you know, the whole idea of doing this all over again and no one is going to keep going in the same way. He said, that's not exciting. It's boring. It's that simple. Why the fuck would you do something if you know it's going to be boring? And he goes, I'm going to miss doing this, but I'm also really excited and scared and nervous. I don't know what my future is. Uh, when we put out the first record, you know, it was a conscious decision to say, let's give this a go. Let's quit our jobs and break up with our girlfriends, hit the road and see what happens, complete with any idea of how it's going to go. And he goes, and I kind of feel I'm in the same way now, even though, like, you know, mm. we're older and we have relationships and all that kind of stuff. He goes, but I feel that same sense of excitement again. And ultimately, you can't, you know, like, if someone says that, then you got to respect that. Of course, but, like, it's very interesting, you know, to hear those quotes and to hear him saying that when listening to this record... I felt as though, and it was funny, you mentioned maturity earlier. I felt as though this was, like, at times almost juvenile. In, Ooh, in, record scratch. <laughs> in its sense that it just seemed to have, like, you know, like, I mean, it's easy just to go, like, you know, oh, it's so emo. But, you know, it just seemed to have that sort of, oh, what li- what's life all about sort of shrugging thing that, I don't know, I think you're okay to do as a teen, early 20s. Knowing that these guys, you know, have been around the scene a long time, I don't know. I would like to see more consideration, as say, it were. Are, are, are we going to hear the phrase, get a real job? No, <laughs> but more effort to come to a conclusion of to an extent. Of why it's over or... Or, or anything else of, well, like, of, you know, why you're a bit upset. Well, in general, like, what they've done for 20 years is not an easy thing. They are, they're, they're not Slipknot, they're not... I mean, the big bands like Mastodon, Deftones, etc. These are none. It's a very, as it's a harsh, harsh, harsh sound. It's not going to be on the radio. You're not going to be selling out to three thousand, four thousand people. Like, um, what they've done is a testament to themselves. To be honest, um, like the music industry, especially the underground music industry, like you get spat out. There's nothing at the end. Just a few extra wrinkles and a few injuries. It's kind of amazing that they're still here. I'm very surprised and what Ben has done as well, which is genius, he has a, a company called Party Smasher Incorporated and it's 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 almost like an education platform mm-hmm. where he interviews people as like it's for bands coming up like he there's so much information on that website and like that's a testament to him even he didn't have to go and do it but fair play like Sure. I mean, listen, like I say, yeah, it, it sounds as though they're very different people off stage or off <coughs> mic. Um, 
I just yeah, yeah very thoughtful very like very very thoughtful very lovely I actually had the chance to not to cut across you but like mm-hmm. I actually had the chance to interview both Ben and Greg in person before their last show in Dublin in the Academy in 2011 and much to my frustration the interview never actually ran uh, it was supposed to be like I was kind of new in Hopper at the time and never ran anywhere so this was rather unfinished business for me as well to kind of get to talk to them again when this record came out but they were so nice and they were so generous with their time and the complete opposite of what you see on stage like, yeah like I said though when you kind of think of everything that you just mentioned really like you know from from sort of i guess going that extra mile and sort of doing sort of very intelligent and considered things and sort of having a what seems to be a very balanced outlook um yeah i I guess it's just not reflected in their music at all for me it felt far more throwaway it felt as though you know there was at one level i guess you know you kind of credit uh the level of authenticity that you feel as though this is going to you know very genuine very just what they're going to do but ah, at another level you just kind of felt like maybe if you stop and think about this more that there would be something more rewarding in the end of it it's it's what you love at the end of the day like and at the end of the day you can't be a 45 year old man being destructive on stage just like it's not a lifestyle that you can live up to (laughs) pretty much yeah and like I could, uh, they can't like uh, Ben has another band um, called Giraffe Tongue Orchestra with uh, Ben H- uh, Ben Hines from Mastodon and the singer from Alice in Chains. So that could be like that could be. The- Greg has uh, that could be yeah. the one that I do enjoy. Actually, it? actually, actually yeah, probably would. Greg has the Black Queen, which put out a record this year and it's very good. And uh, Fever Daydream, it's called, yeah. and that is much more in the vein of like it's kind of nine inch nailsy, slowed down singing grooves. And it's just really, like, it's it's not going to fucking blow your mind, but it's very enjoyable. Uh, let me ask you this, Cullen. Maybe it's not a fair question, but, uh, like, you know, because, like, it should be said to the listeners, like, Cullen is by no means put off by heavy music. Um, but did you find this record or the Bonnie Vare record from last week more difficult to unpack? Um, That's a difficult question, actually. Obviously, extremely different records. I ask the hard questions, listeners. It's what I do. <laughs> I guess, I guess, ultimately... um. The Bonnie Vare record was was far harder to unpack for me. I'm still unpacking that record. Yeah, me too. Even though I've written a fucking <laughs> review and I'm still unpacking it. <laughs> yeah, and and I I mean maybe it's because as I mentioned earlier, to me there did seem to be something rather like somewhat straightforward about parts of this record. Certainly, as I was listening to it and trying to understand it, um, you know, maybe if I connected with it more, it's going to be that much more difficult. But like I say, because Bonnie Vera is probably a little closer to where I'm approaching it from, uh, yeah, that was that was harder. Um, so will it will it chart in No Encore's albums of the year? Is a teaser for you there coming at the end of the year? It's up to Craig, is it? Well, actually, before we go to our scores, as a matter of fact, uh, this just in: Craig might be ill today, but he has in fact done his homework, and he has sent me a mini review. You better not, which you better I not let, let leaks down. Which I will read thusly. <laughs> Uh, he goes straight to the scores. He gives it 7 out of 10. He says, I give it 7 out of 10 personally, probably because I find a lot of what they do pretty impenetrable. Uh, though I can clearly hear why they're revered by a lot of people and have constantly pushed the envelope. I like that. They're actually punks in the truest sense of the word. But the aggressive math jazz, math jazz just ain't for me. Uh, that said, there's plenty of diversity and stuff to enjoy. Uh, the last two tracks in particular are killer, as we pointed out. Uh, maybe it's an aesthetic, like like kind of there's a track here called Fugue, which is just a weird instrumental, very Aphex Twin and Craig says maybe that's an aesthetic he can get more into because he's better versed in it. Shouting just hurts my ears sometimes, Dave. He notes. 
Uh, that said, I would happily investigate further slash slam dance to them at a live show. Listen to Ironworks, Craig. <laughs> yeah, he'd be all about Ironworks. So yeah, uh, if we're going scores, I I don't think I want to hear what you have to say here. No, look, I mean, basically, the honest goodness truth is I'll give it a five oh, on basis on! that I didn't like it, but I can see, you know, I'll certain things they're five, doing that you guys five. like. I'll give it a five. A healthy five. <laughs> Told you this is going to be awkward. Yeah. Fucking hell. Well, I'm giving it a strong eight. A strong eight. I think it's a beautiful farewell to one of the most important bands we've had in the last 20 years. And it's been an absolute pleasure. And I thanked them when I talked to them. And I thanked them again on the podcast. Kev? I'm the same boat. A five. I'm on it. <laughs> <laughs> no, an eight. This is not good enough. An eight. This is perfect. This is one of the best metal albums I've heard this year. Um, hands down. And... I said it's the perfect end to a perfect band. Four EPs, six albums. I love you, Dylan Escape Plan. Oh God, I'm gonna make a pl- I'm, gonna, I'm gonna make a playlist for you, Cullum, that you're gonna enjoy, and I'll put it out there for the listeners of the podcast as well. So, if you don't want complicated math rock and lots of screaming and the odd string section and some of the best music of the last twenty years, Cullum, you could also listen to something else. You could listen to uh, My Chemical Romance. They yeah, that's the alternative <laughs> I was looking for. My Chemical Romance is the Black Parade turned 10 recently. Did. There's a piece in Headstuff Music right now by Courtney Smith espousing the merits of said record. And i got to say, uh, I always quite liked them. I had a soft spot for them and I was working in X-Vision at the time. We had terrible, terrible music on at all times and then I'm not okay. I promise was played once and I was like, what the fuck is this? Really enjoyed it. The Black Parade is one of those records though I have to say that going back and listening to it for the first time in a couple of years, I was struck by how good it is. I think it's a lot of a much better record than a lot of people kind of give it credit for. I think it's a really interesting narrative and you know some of the songs are fantastic. Welcome to the Black Parade is a fucking masterpiece as far as I'm concerned. So I would recommend going back to that record if you've any kind of reservations about it. Maybe you'll be surprised. In terms of other stuff that's coming out later this <laughs> no, week. No comment from Cole. <laughs> like, oh, from what? I was like, you know. Like, my chemical romance. Did you, to, did, you, did you stick around dressed up like a goth, did you? Come no, on. No. Come on, though. Not hang up outside the central bank? No. Marching band jacket? And First of all, I'm from Cork, so. It, it yeah, was well, that, the, the, that was down the Paul Cork. Street, Paul the Street Courts. Shopping Centre. Yeah, yeah I was saying, what's, what's, the, what's the Cork equivalent of central yeah. bank? Yeah, Paul Street Shopping yeah. Centre. Did you hang out there? Would have been, uh, no. Because our guitarist from Cork, and he's drink cans in the courts, but that's. <laughs> yeah, that was a few yeah. years after oh, that again. Yeah, yeah, once the courts were done up a little bit. Um, the ooh there was just beautiful, <laughs> boys. Uh, yeah, if you're looking for something else to listen to this week in a very, very different vein, um, Two Door Cinema Club's new album is out. It's called Game Show. Uh, I had reservations about this one too, although granted for very different reasons. Um, the first single, good, is it? Well, the first single took a while. To be perfectly honest, and I'm a huge fan of theirs, especially from the first record. Um, it's quite different, and it is definitely hit or miss. But there are good tracks on it, and it's somewhat more interesting direction for them to go at this stage. I think their second record proved that you know they just couldn't replicate what they did on tourist history, and so it's good to actually see them branching out a little bit, trying something new. Uh, yeah, it's called Game Show, and uh, yeah, it's worth checking out. And for me, what I've been listening to the last two weeks, speaking of traditional roots, I've been going back to the gloaming. First two albums, Ooh. which are have blown my mind. Bought tickets for them straight away for next March, so I'm going to get so many Guinness what into are you, me. the fucking press agent over here? Oh, I love the gloaming. They're the best. And if you like Anton metal-wise, listen to the new Norma Jean album. 
It's oh very, yeah, very, that is very good. good. That's very good. Uh, as for the gloaming, I will say this: uh, saw them at Body and Soul, and it was a bit too loud. Not them, but the yeah. crowd. So I would like to see them in a more reserved setting. Yeah. And as we've said before in this podcast, you know, traditional Irish music is in fact allowed. I'm really fucking glad, by the way, that you clarified it was the crowd. I was just thinking there, have I just seen a guy give an H to the Dillinger Escape <laughs> Plan and <laughs> moan Turn about the glow? Turn down that please! It's, a bit, it's, it's just noise, isn't it? <laughs> just noise. Well, speaking of Irish music, uh, before we get to this week's exit music, I will say this. I will tease next week's episode because next week's episode we will be playing, uh, we'll be premiering a track on next week's episode, which I'm very excited about. And that's all I'll say for now. Or should we say who it is? Yeah. Okay, uh, our old friend Roy Lynch, a.k.a. Bantam, Ooh. will be in studio in the next episode. He'll be joining us for the whole show. And we will be playing the title track from his record called Move, which is out in a couple of weeks. And that title track is going to fucking blow you away, guys. It's excellent. Get up, Bantam. But for now, uh, another track, which has been kind of uh, getting a bit of buzz. Quite a bit of buzz, actually, over the Dublin pair of Kira Mary Alice Thompson. Great name. And mm-hmm. Alan Farrell. Uh, some have described their debut single, Proper Solid Air, as having a Cocteau Twins vibe off of it, which I can tell you from having interviewed author John Connolly before, is a serious compliment when it comes from aficionados of that particular outfit and indeed style of music. Bad Sea uh, met on the wretched graveyard of love, loss and despair that is Tinder, which I've actually never used. Uh, and instead of finding a romance, they banded together to form this here project. I quite like this song. Uh, it's snide and it's lovely at the same time. They're worth a follow on Twitter if you're into that kind of thing. Uh, as am I, by the way. At Hanrity Dave, just so you know. At Colin Oregon 1. And at Red Enemy Kev. <laughs> okay. Uh, my name is Dave Hanrady. This has been No Encore. There will be No Encore. And this is Bad Sea with Solid Air. Holla at you, boy! Beep, beep, beep! All your feelings in a ring. You can make it like your own thing You could take it for a walk You could celebrate a birthday You could even change your birth cert If you want to stay involved You could circulate your own words So that nothing gets resolved You could keep her on a leash You could keep her in the family way You could move her to the beach Anything to keep you far away from who you used to be Take everything she has and make it yours Don't ever
solid This podcast is part of the Headstuff Podcast Network. Hello, my name is Dave Hanready, and uh, I fucked up the intro. Oof, 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 Let's do it. Get my picture in the papers. The only thing better than grinding all night for your side hustle is your roommate picking you up with Mickey D's breakfast. The perfect pickup deal. There's a deal for every morning at McDonald's. Right now, taste breakfast perfection when you get a warm and savory sausage McMuffin with egg for just $2.50. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with combo meal. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.